the last few weeks, we've been really focusing in a bit on um, evangelism and taking the gospel out of these four walls into other places because we thought God spoke to us about that. And so we're following God's heart. I've been doing that. So Neil spoke last week on uh, the gospel and who we are in Christ, being secure in our in our and the gospel that saved us, that uh, we're no longer under condemnation, that uh, we've been set free from that, and that we're children of God, and to live in that. And uh, I just want to. While I was away on holiday, I kind of always look to hear what God's saying when you're away at your situation. It's a good opportunity just to hear God, isn't it? And just to kind of get fresh things. And I felt God spoke to me, and I didn't know what Neil was speaking on, but I felt God speak to me about just looking at our confidence in the gospel. What is your confidence in this gospel? Because we refer to it a lot, we talk about the gospel, and we refer to it a lot, but actually, what is it? What should our confidence be in this gospel? So what is... The gospel. Well, we kind of refer to four chapters of the Bible as being the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We say they're the gospels, that's what it is. But actually, the whole Bible is the gospel. It's God's story. The whole Bible is God's story from Genesis to Revelation, is the story of God to have a people for himself. That men and women would uh, look to him and live in his good and live a life that's caught up with him and his purpose. And the whole purpose of why he created the world and why he created us for his own pleasure. And yet man's gone astray and Jesus is just the means by which he sought to bring man back to himself. So it's God's story. But particularly the gospel we refer to is that that's been revealed through Jesus. Declared by Jesus himself in Luke for. 16 to 19, where he stands and reads from Isaiah 61 of the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It's good news that Jesus came to declare the gospel is good news to the poor. You can't explain it. You can't say why it is. It just is. It's good news. Wherever the poor hear the good news of the story of Jesus of his salvation, of coming to earth, to take on himself the sin of the world, it's good news. There's nobody else could do it. No other religion or faith in the world has a saviour like Jesus. No other that would give up his own life, take upon himself all the sin of the world and die for it, both past, present and future sin. All on him. It's a wonderful gospel. He taught the gospel through sermons and through parables. He taught the people as he went around, shared with them the story, the truth of the kingdom, what the kingdom is, what it looks like, what the kingdom is about. He demonstrated the kingdom by cleansing lepers, healing the sick, by casting out demons, calming storms. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. All demonstration of this gospel, because it's more than words. The gospel is not about just a story, a nice story, a comforting story. The gospel is about action. God breaking into this world in a real way that changes lives. Just doesn't remove condemnation. Doesn't take away the guilt of sin and the shame of sin. Not just that, but actually he heals 
and he sets free and he changes circumstance and situation and he turns things around for good. He demonstrated the gospel in eating with sinners and tax collectors. If you remember, in, a few weeks ago, Carly spoke on Zacchaeus and he calls Zacchaeus down from a, a tree to come and have tea and eat with him. He's concerned, he's interested. He's a God who loves to draw near on a one-to-one. He's not some distant God. He's not someone who's far away, but this gospel is very personal and he meets personally with people. Shows grace and mercy to a woman caught in adultery. He shows grace to another lady who's fetching water, collecting water at the well and who's had five husbands. And the man she lives with now is not a husband, but he shows grace to her. He feeds 5,000 and then he feeds 4,000. That's quite a feat to him. I think Marion was feeding all that went to New Day. That's kind of the scale we're talking of. He called Lazarus from the grave after being there three days and he walks out alive. He is full of compassion on the lonely, the brokenhearted, the hurting. He loves children and calls children to himself and says, don't stop them coming to me. Tell them, come to me, I want to bless them. And then he does something even more outrageous. He sends out his 12 disciples and tells them to go and do the same. And then he gets even more outrageous than that and sends 72 others out and says, now you go and do it. Do what I've been doing. And not only that, Matthew then ends with sending everybody out and saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell people about this gospel. But ultimately, Jesus demonstrated it by giving up his own life. Willingly choosing to die for us. Willingly choosing to take upon himself our punishment, our sin, our guilt, our shame. And not, um, us not getting what we deserved. That's mercy. It's mercy from God. Is we don't get what we deserve. And the grace is that he gives us what we don't deserve. We don't get what we do, but we get what we don't. That's a good trade. And if that's not good news, then I don't know what is. I don't think there's any better news than this. There's no better news than this news, that we don't get what we deserve, but we do get what we don't. So where does that leave us? It's a great gospel. It's full of activity. It's full of life-changing events. Story after story. And I love stories. You know I love stories. I keep telling you, I want to hear stories about what God's doing. I want to hear the stories of how God's breaking out. And uh, I was challenged just a few weeks ago, and I thought, God, I haven't got an up-to-date story. I need a new story. So I love having the stories myself, and I want some new stories. And I was sharing with a colleague... And uh, we were talking actually about one of uh, my team members who uh, 
we kind of discovered it has quite severe dyslexia. So I have to, every letter and email he sends, I kind of vet because it just doesn't make sense. And uh, so I help him by uh, just going over it and just correcting some of the mistakes and things. And then I was telling a colleague who just sat one day who was mentioned it to me, and I said, well, actually, you know, I said, it's amazing that I can help this guy because I had dyslexia once. And I told him the story of how God healed me. And this guy, like Angela's tumbleweed moment, this guy just did not know what to do with it. He had no idea. He just sat there, looked at me blank, and didn't know what to do, so I got up and walked out of the office. So he didn't know what to do, and I told the story of how God healed me. But people need to hear it. People need to hear what God does. This is the gospel breaking in. This is the truth of God doing something. And even those 72 that came back to Jesus, came back full of joy, telling the stories, wow, even demons obeyed us. Wow, things happened. When we went, when we were out there, people got saved, gave their life to Jesus, people got healed and people got set free. That's great stories to tell. And I want to tell more of those stories. I want you to be telling more of those stories. So do you get the picture of what the gospel looks like? So is that something we can put our confidence in? See, because it's not for just 2,000 years ago. Active right now today. Active right now on our streets in this country. Active right now in churches all up and down this land is the gospel. Still working in your life. We're encouraged to go and work out our salvation. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing work within us. Of we are being saved from a corrupt world. We are being saved. Things come along. Things happen in life. Things come along and we are being saved. So if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Romans 1, verse 16. Because this is the crux of it. Paul could say this, Romans 1.16 I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jews first and also the Greek that's us, the Gentiles first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles this is it, Paul could say I am not ashamed of the gospel He wasn't ashamed to speak it. He wasn't ashamed. He knew what transformation had taken place in his own life. He was persecuting the Christians. He was killing Christians for their faith. And suddenly, God breaks in on his life, transforms him, so he knows the power of the gospel to change him. And he puts his full weight of confidence in this gospel, knowing the power that it has in his own life. All our stories are different of how we came to faith. Everyone has a different story. I was privileged. I was brought up in a Christian home. The challenge was no less. I couldn't live off my parents' faith. I couldn't live off just, this is what we do on a Sunday, we go to church. I had to have an encounter for myself. 
And I remember it to this day. I was in a home. And somebody prayed for me. And Jesus showed up. And told me he loved me. And I said, well, if that's true, you can have me. And that was it. And I remember just sat there in tears on the floor when I was eight years old. God got me. Age doesn't matter. The moment in which you get saved doesn't matter. My friend Stuart over in Chesterfield, he says to me, why did God leave it so late to get me? I wish I'd known God when I was young. Why did I have to be 50 before I knew God? Why did I have to be this age before God got me? Why didn't he reveal himself to me? And I said, well, I can't answer that question. God just knew the right time for you. God knew. And maybe, I don't know, here today, maybe today is the right time for you to know Jesus. This wonderful, wonderful Jesus. You see, Paul knew there was power that wherever he spoke the gospel, wherever that went out, however small a snippet of the gospel it might be, even to say to somebody, Jesus loves you, you know, could be enough because it's true. There's power to the lonely, the unloved, those who feel unloved, for someone to say, Jesus loves you. It could be just the power needed that sets them free and breaks them out of where they are, breaks them out of their loneliness, breaks them out of their feeling of uh, lack of self-worth. It's sufficient in itself. You see, it has power to convict of sin, not to condemn. And maybe sometimes one of the fears is that we, when we speak the gospel, we might feel like we're condemning somebody. And actually, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it actually says in Romans 2, 4, it says, knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. The kindness of God is that it leads us to repentance. It's kindness. It's not condemnation. It's not God being harsh with us. It's God showing his kindness. That when we become aware of our sin and our need of a saviour, it's his kindness not to condemn us, not to make us feel guilt or shame. We can do that all on our own. Others will do that for us. But God doesn't do that. He comes and says, there's a way out. There's a way of escape for you. There's a way you can be free of these things that have dogged your life for years. There's a way out. And this is the gospel. It's his kindness that leads people to repentance. Interestingly, Paul never asked for anybody to pray that anybody be saved. He didn't say pray for this person, he said pray for that person to be saved. He said pray that I might speak the gospel boldly. Because he knew the power He was confident in this gospel of its own power to save people if they heard it. And the thing is, there's people around us, around me, that have never heard the gospel. I know that. And for myself, I want that boldness to speak the gospel. I want boldness, more boldness than I've got already, to speak the the gospel. People hear it, because I know that when they hear it, it will change their lives. It will make a difference if they hear the gospel. Acts 4.31, this is what happened when they prayed. It says, and when they had prayed, 
The place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit came and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. That's why we've got the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus sends out 72, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Is that what a good shepherd does? Does a good shepherd take a little lamb and say, there's a wood there, it's full of wolves, here you go, off you go. Bye. See you in a bit. Go and have some fun with the wolves. Is that what a shepherd does? It does? I don't think so. And we're told that he's the good shepherd. So if he's the good shepherd, and he's saying, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst the wolves, it's a bit scary, isn't it? Is that evidence of a good shepherd? Is that evidence of what the heart of God's really like? And not only does he say that, he says, and when you go, you're to take nothing with you. You've got nothing with you to protect you. You've got no way of fighting back. You've got no way of fending off these wolves that are going to come for you. You're taking nothing. I don't want you to take anything with you. Wow. That's a bit scary. If I was a sheep, I'd be looking the other way and thinking, there's no way I'm going there. I'm going there. We're like pennies and it's safe. You see, sheep haven't got teeth. We've got nothing to fight with. A ram might have a few horns, but they've got very little to protect themselves. But the good news is, the good news of the good shepherd, he says, you're not going alone, though. I'm going with you. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you to the end of the age. So we don't take anything physical with us, but we take him, the Holy Spirit himself, and he goes with us. And he leads us, and he guides us, and he protects us. Moses said when they were in the wilderness, we're not going unless you're going with us. And I want to say to God, I'm not going out there, outside these four walls, unless you go with us. There's no way I'm going out like a sheep to the slaughter amongst wolves. Without, unless you go with us. And he is going with us. And he has already been with us. And he's gone with us. And he's going to go with us more. As we go, he goes. If we don't go, he's in here with us. When actually he wants to be out there where the people are. He wants to be on the streets of Matlock next week where the people need him. Where there's people who have got all kinds of things in their lives that he just wants to free them of. He wants to heal their bodies. He wants to set them free from oppression and depression. He's a good God. And he's a good shepherd. And he's a good shepherd who leads well. And we only have to go to Psalm 23 to look at the picture of the shepherd that, that David portrayed, that David knew, the shepherd that David knew, intimately knew him, that he's a good shepherd and he leads well. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, he will lead me and guide me. Even in those times. So when we're out on the streets, it might feel like we're in the valley of the shadow of death. When we're out there amongst the wolves. 
but actually he will guide us. He will protect us. He'll look after us. So this great story has power to draw men to God. It's good news to the poor. He goes with us. We're not on our own. And he's all that we need and sufficient in every way. And the other thing is we get to do what he does. We get to do the stuff. We, we get to do kingdom things. We get to partner with God and we too can come back rejoicing like those 72 did. We can come back rejoicing saying, wow, look what God did. When we were out there, look what he did through us. Look how he saved people. Look how he healed people. Look, just look at the things he's done. See, I'm sure God's more intent on doing stuff than we think he is. He's more ready to do it than we've known. So, how do we apply it? The wonderful thing is the mystery of the gospel has been revealed to us. If you've never read it, I want to encourage you, read Romans. It's a great book. It takes a bit of understanding. You might need a bit of help. But it's great because it's the mystery of the gospel revealed. Paul's got it, just like that. He's had that revelation, and he writes it down for us in Romans. And that's why Neil preached from it last week, because it, it's so true, so clear. The wonderful truth of the gospel is right there in Romans. It's a great book. I want to encourage you to read it. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring fresh revelation as you reread it. But ask these questions. Are you confident in the gospel and its power to save? Where's your confidence? Where have you put your confidence? You've got a story to, to tell. It might be a healing story. It might be a salvation story. It might be a story of how God did something, a difficult situation, an impossible situation, where God came through for you. You've got a story. Use it for the glory of God. Tell your story. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to say... I haven't put my confidence in this gospel. I haven't put my trust in that. I don't believe it has power to save like the Bible says. Maybe you need to repent and turn around from that. And then maybe you need to apply that this week and look for an opportunity where you can apply these things and say, God, give me an opportunity where I can share a story with a friend, a neighbour, a work colleague, whoever it may be. How are you going to apply it this week? But maybe you just need a touch from heaven. Maybe you need that, like the, in Acts, where they had the empowering of the Holy Spirit and they spoke with boldness. Maybe you just need a fresh touch from heaven. Ali, is he around? Is he? Where is he? He's not. <laughs> Let's just stand together, shall we? Oh, yes, it's there. It's on the floor. I can see you, Ali. Could we uh, just do a song to finish with? I'll be really good. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. But this gospel's been pursuing you. God's been pursuing you. God's been on your case. And this great gospel that he loves you and he's got a plan and purpose for your life 
And he wants to free you from things that have messed up your life. Some things, decisions you've made, things done against you, decisions by others. Maybe you need to know Jesus this morning. He's calling you today. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to respond in your heart to God, even now. He's here today to save. He's here to save. He's always here to save. Not just today, he's always here to save. He says, I've come to save that which was lost. His whole purpose is to save the lost. His whole purpose is to rescue people. His whole purpose was to free people from the power of sin. His whole purpose was to make them his son and daughter. Bring them into his family. His whole purpose was that one day we'd be with him in heaven forever. It's his whole purpose. And it's his purpose for you today. So come Holy Spirit right now we pray. Do your work. Holy Spirit invite you now. Do your work. You bring conviction of sin that leads to repentance, your kindness. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just sing. Let's just respond in our hearts to God. A couple of things I just want to follow on as we've sung.